Welcome to this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, brought to you by our friends at National Bank of Commerce, one of our, our great sponsors here on the Eye of the Swarm and on our sports broadcast on KUWS that let us do these things that we like to do with our engineer, Elliot Swear and the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and a, another good week in the world of the Yellow Jackets, Matt, and these winter sports teams just keep clipping along, don't Boy, they? Yeah, it's it's been so much fun to watch it, um, you know, coming off of a rare Sunday triple header. Yeah. I mean, when's the last time we had one of those? Have we? I don't think we ever have. Yeah, I was about to say. I, I don't know. You know, that's the first time for me. I mean, we're back to a regular Saturday triple header this week. We'll talk about that, of course. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Because yeah. we don't know that for sure yet. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, Mother right? Nature may have intervened at some point between now and then. But okay, <laughs> we're hoping so. Anyway, um, it was. It felt kind of strange, to be honest with you, to have a Sunday triple header, but. You know, yeah, the teams just keep clipping around along, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. I mean, we talked about the fact that this is kind of an unprecedented year for us. Yeah, just because we've never had the four teams all the four winter teams are all doing as well as they are right now. I, at the I, same time, I would be willing to bet, and I I don't think there's a way for us to actually research this. Maybe there is because you only have to go back as far as 1998, but I don't think you can go back and find a year where we are, you know, nearing the final week of January and all four of those teams are above 500. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and three of them are sitting in really first place, first yeah. place in their conference. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I think you're pretty hard pressed to find a time where we've had this kind of success with those four teams. Yeah, I agree. And it's you know, not, and obviously not taking anything away from track and field. No, but they don't have standings. No, and they don't you, have points. You can stack this up yeah. against. So that that's what I'm getting at there. Right. But I I don't think you can go back and find a time where this late in the in the season those four teams are all sitting where they are. I agree. I you know I've never seen it quite this way before. It's the first time I've had two first place basketball teams to cover. Right. At the same time, you know, we've gotten accustomed to it on the women's side. Yep. Um, which is nice. You want to be accustomed to winning. That's what you want. Um, but what the men are doing this year has just been unbelievable. I've keep, I've I never keep going back to that scene in Bull Durham where Nuke Lelouch goes, "I love winning, man. It's so much better than losing." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you say winning no is good, kidding. that's where my mind goes. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, it's it's been the way it's come together has really been something to see, uh, especially for the men's basketball team. I've, I've had a ball. I know you've had a ball with men's hockey this year. Um, and, you know, with two coaches that really deserve the credit and the success that they're getting because you and I both know they put everything they can into both of those teams. And to see what they're doing is really, really, really cool. Yeah. And I'm, I've, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I, I'm sure you have too. Oh, absolutely. I've had a, a blast this year, you know, doing this. It's been, it's been a long grind. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, this is my 21st year of calling Yellow Jacket hockey. And, you know, the first half of that was – very very good yeah a lot of good teams you know a, a lot, lot of wins of, in a there lot of wins and the second half of it hasn't been as good there's been a lot of teeth grinding and yeah. yeah there's been a lot of tough road trips a lot of tough broadcasts you know where you're trying to find those things to talk about right. in the third period because you know your team has no shot at coming back in this one you right. know, now you're kind of sometimes trying to find things to say because you know the other team has no shot in coming back in right. this one. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm enjoying the heck out of it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I think coming where I came from and winning. Right. And that's really all we knew right. was winning. It it's been humbling to go through this stretch of of a lack of success, I guess. Right. And now 
maybe I'm enjoying it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're along for the full process, I think, um, you know, with men's basketball for me, um, when I started out, and this is what my ninth year, I think, eighth or ninth or something like that, maybe even tenth year. I have to go back and look. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, when they start, when I started out doing the basketball games, you know, the team was fairly competitive. It wasn't a championship level team, but you're also playing in the best conference in D three at that time for sure. I think. Right. And you know, the guys were regularly making the playoffs, so we had that mm-hmm. to look forward to. Um, you know, and they were regularly beating teams that were ranked. Um, you know, there were a few wins over Whitewater. Actually, the guys did fairly well against Whitewater over the years. Uh, beat Eau Claire on a semi-regular basis. Um, you know, could beat Stout. You know, the only team that they did, haven't beaten or didn't beat while I was uh, while we were in the WIAC, while I was here, or since I have been here, was Stevens Point. We beat everybody else at least once, everybody at least twice, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the women's side, I was lucky because in my time, we beat everybody in the competition. You got twice. right onto the yeah the, <laughs> you know. when things started to ramp up under right. Coach Mulhern there. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I was you know with with the women's program when they won the WAC title the last year before they made the move to the UMAC. Right. So I had a chance to see some good competitive basketball, and then the men's program kind of struggled for a while trying to find an identity. There were a couple of coaching changes in there, and um, now with Greg, you know the team is rolling right along, and this team has as we were talking about. About off air, this team has shown some things that we haven't seen, even with the the you know the quote unquote good teams that were in the WIAC all those years. This this team has a, something a little bit extra to them mm-hmm. in terms of intensity and ability to pull away and go on long spurts that we haven't seen before, and it's just been a joy to watch it. And uh, you know, I feel kind of the same way watching the men's basketball team as I do watching the men's hockey team. That there's just a level of intensity throughout the team that's a little bit different, a little bit elevated this year, mm-hmm. and in a positive way. Right. So, uh, Winning know, has a way of doing that. Though. Yeah, I mean, they're playing at a much higher level. Right. Consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's a lot more fun to broadcast. Right. <laughs> yeah, it certainly of, is. Yeah, instead of sitting there trying to figure out how am I going to explain this game now. Right. You know, because I've got another 20 minutes to go, and we're down by 15. Yeah. You know, what am I going to talk about? Because our chances of coming back aren't great. Right. But now with this team, you know, I'm – they got a chance anytime they take the floor, right? So and a good chance. So it may just even from a broadcasting standpoint, it just makes it that much more. You've touched on WIAC stuff here a little bit, so right. Hypothetically, if they're in the if they're still in the in the WIAC, where do you think this team stacks? Uh, I think this having is, seen a few of those right. WIAC teams now this year, I think this is a team that could challenge. For a playoff spot, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're good enough to beat probably most of the teams in the league. Uh, Whitewater's way down this year. Um, Stevens Point is, eh, they're okay. They have good moments and bad moments. They had good moments against us. Yeah, they had good moments against us. They've had other bad moments. Mm-hmm. I and mean, they got beat at home by 20 by Bethel Ooh. in the game earlier this year. So they've been up and down. Um, Oshkosh has really slid back quite a bit. Um, maybe the ability to pick them off. Platteville's got a good team this year. Platteville's got a really good team. Uh, Lacrosse has got a nice team, um, you know. But yeah, I think that these guys could play with most of the WIAC for sure. Um, you know, I haven't seen specifically um, Platteville play, but their results tell you that they've been good. Um, you know, the guys played a very close game with Eau Claire, uh, lost a game that they probably could have won down there. Definitely ended up losing it by six, seventy-five, sixty-nine. That was early in the year. 
Um, but yeah, I think that these guys feel like they can play with anybody. Um, and you know, they've played the schedule to kind of go along with that, really. Um, you know, they've had good moments and bad moments in non-conference, but they've played a really rough schedule, and they've played some teams on the road. That St. Norbert team is really good, mm-hmm. for instance. That team that beat them is a really good team. Nebraska Wesleyan, we know, is a really good team. Uh, you know, didn't play St. John's, had a chance to look at them. I think we could hang with them for a while. Uh, and St. John's right now is kind of r- running away with things in the MIAC a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think this team is, is fully capable of being competitive in the WIAC. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, the standard of play in the UMAC is not that bad on the men's side. It's pretty good. Uh, the last couple of years, the, MIAC champ- or the UMAC champion has won games in the NCAA tournament. Right. So You have to remind people of that, too, because yeah. you, there's still plenty of people – Alumni, people that are in the community who will go, well, yeah, they're in first place, but they're not in the WIAC. Right, yeah. No, they're not. But the conference champion has done well. They are not in the worst league in Division Three either. No. You know, the I, th- I think us joining the UMAC has elevated right. the I play agree. Right. in the UMAC. And like you said, I mean, the last two years, Bethany has gone in and won games in the NCAA tournament. And so has Northwestern. Right. Northwestern has also won games in the NCAA tournament and got on the road. Uh, beating St. John's the last two years, right? The, the UMAC champion has in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So, uh, no, the, I think the UMAC is overlooked quite a bit, but our teams typically are very competitive. You know, you look at Morris' schedule this year. Up until they met us, they had been losing games by ten or less points pretty much this year. Sure. So, and they played some tough teams. They played some Mayak teams. Um, so, yeah, no, I the UMAC is not to be overlooked in men's basketball. The teams are the teams are good enough to compete for sure and I think this team can definitely do that as well well let's start there we got a week to review here let's let's take a look at that your uh, yellow jacket still sitting atop the standings as we said and uh, yeah had kind of a uh, a nice comfortable two wins this week boy did they ever um, <laughs> scored almost 200 combined points actually they scored more than 200 combined points in the two games this week uh, 205 to be exact in their two games so average more than 100 points in the two games uh, the first one, one sixteen to seventy against Finlandia on the road, that was played on Wednesday, and then of course the win over Morris. We'll talk more about that in a second here. That was quite the game, by the way, and we'll <laughs> touch on the events of that contest in that game against Finlandia on Wednesday. The UWS outscored the Lions fifty to twenty seven in the first half, before outscoring the Lions sixty six to forty three in the second half. So a lot of points put up. Three away from the school record. Is that what it was? One nineteen is the school record. Is it okay? So yeah, three points away, and the most since when was that? When was the record set? Well, Do you know? The record was set in nineteen seventy six. Okay, so is we it, looked this up. It was February thirteenth, nineteen seventy six. They beat Whitewater at home one nineteen one oh one. Okay, okay. So this is the most since then. So it's been there was a, a, a one seventeen in there. Okay, um, but that was that was back in the sixties. Okay. So I think you're you're pretty safe. First time in like four decades. Yeah. Plus. I think you're real okay. safe saying that that 119 or 116 was the most since then. Okay. Well, you know, the Jackets didn't miss many shots. They shot 60% for the game. While the Lions made 39.1% of their shots, the Yellow Jackets played 18 guys in that game, and 14 of them scored. So it wasn't just a couple of players doing it. It was everybody. Dang old depth. Yeah, dang old depth coming out <laughs> right there. Allen Anderson, 22 points. He was 9 for 12 from the field and 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. Bede Malinkovich, another double-double for Bede, 19 points, 10 rebounds. He was 8 out of 11. And Eli Vogel, the freshman, making his first career start. The cousin of uh, Yellow Jacket women's basketball alum Hadley Mooney 
She had 14, or he had 14 points. He was 5 for 12 from the field in that contest. And then the game against Morris, that was expected to be a tough ball game. Morris is a team that is pretty deep. They get a lot of guard play. They run a lot of players in and out. They played something like 12 or 13 guys in the first half wow. of the game. I was keep trying to keep track of how many guys were coming in and out for Coach Paul That's Grove. pretty rare in the first half. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were running guys in and out. They were making full line changes. There were right. five guys coming in and out. The so UW they, Stout women's basketball style. Yeah, exactly. Full line change. Yeah, it was a full a full lineup change. Uh, Jackets defeating the Cougars 89-63. to uh, UWS led that game 39-33 at the break, which is about where I thought we would get to. Uh, Morris had played a lot of tight games up until then. Like I said, they had lost most of the games that they had lost. They came in 4-10 and on the season. But almost all of those 10 losses were by 10 points or less. So mm-hmm. they had been very competitive. Uh, but the L Jackets in the second half, boy, did they put the hammer down, scored the first 20 points of the half. That's second incredible. time they've done that this year. That's incredible. Yeah. That they've scored at least 20 points in a row and a half to take a 59 to 33 lead on the way to outscoring the Cougars 50 to 30 in the second half. Again, 18 players played for the L Jackets and 11 scored in that game. Yellow Jacket shot 51.5% for the game, and actually that number came down. They were up near about 60%. Missed a lot of shots late as the young guys came in. You know, they were they were shooting shots from kind of all over the place, but missed a bunch of them. But, uh, yeah, 51.5% for the game, while the Cougars made 45.8%. Jackets had four players scoring double figures. Mac Rechtal had a big game, 22 points, 8 for 13 shooting. He was 6 for 10 from beyond the arc in that contest. Vid Milinkovic. 20 points in the ballgame, 7 out of 11 from the field. Hit all three of his threes and all three of his free, free, uh, free throws in that contest. Mason Ackley, the freshman, 14 points. He was 6 for 9. He also had a big monster dunk during that 20-point run, while Allen Anderson finished with 13 points on 5 for 9 shooting. So uh, really impressive performance. I was kind of blown away. Two times this year now the Jackets have scored at least 20 points to start a half on somebody. That's incredible. Yeah. I just <laughs> Joining the game against Bethany Lutheran, uh, I think it was December 14th. December 14th, yeah. yeah. So, that, and of course, in that game, they scored the first 24. 24 and in this game, they scored the, the first 20 in the second half. That wow. first 24 against Matthew Lutheran was in the first half. But, yeah, second time this year that they've scored at least the first 20 points and a half against somebody. And I, I don't know if I've ever seen that before at any level of college basketball. I, I know I haven't seen it here. Yeah. I, I know I haven't seen it we here. We were both kind of drawing a blank. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I... Uh, that's it's just incredible. Yeah, I mean it was it was a run to that happened once. Yeah, and they've done it twice now. That's boy. Yeah, yeah. It says just as much about their defense as it does their offense, though. Yeah, they're playing on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. When you when you put a, a run like that together, you're playing both ends very very strong. Yep, and uh, making shots, and you're turning it in. You're turning defense and offense quickly too. I mean, you're getting out in transition, and uh, yeah, it was really something. I mean, and that twenty point run took place in about ten minutes. Wow. So yeah, very, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Really good for them. Kind of overshadowed a little bit. Women's basketball continuing to tick right along. They're ten and five now overall, six and one in the UMAC, tied for first place with Bethany Lutheran. They've won the last five and they had a nice win as well. Only one game this week for Coach Zach Otto Fisher and Company, defeating Minnesota Morris by the score of eighty to sixty on Sunday at the Mertz. And Superior UWS led nineteen to thirteen after one, thirty nine twenty four at half, and fifty eight to forty one after three. It was a tenth straight time the Jackets have defeated the Cougars. And that's saying something because uh, Morris is a pretty good program. Really? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, I mean, if I'm doing my math right here, they've since we've joined the UMAC, we have lost to them. We have not lost to Morris. Nope. I, I suppose. I mean, you take it. We, they've only lost three games, and they've right. all been to Bethany Lutheran. So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> 
Okay. Yeah, Jackets have not lost uh, to Bethany Lutheran since joining the UMAC. And, wow. Uh, have uh, won 10 straight, and that's against a pretty good program. Sure. Morris is a pretty darn good program. Tim yep. Grove, their head coach, has been there for a long time. Yep. And is one of the more respected coaches in the league. He's a really nice guy, just on top of that. So, uh, yeah, a really nice win. Uh, Jackets in that game got out to a 17-4 to lead and were never really pushed that hard the rest of the way. In the second half, uh, they, uh, the Cougars came within seven at one point in the third quarter, 47-40, to 40, as the game kind of bogged down into a foul fest. There was, I think, I want to say 42 total fouls in the game and like 55 free throws. Yeah, that's what I have here. Northland part two. Yeah, it was another dust by a thousand paper cuts kind of situation, but... You know, took care of business, got the win. Uh, Yellow Jackets played 13 players, had 11 score in the contest. Emily Carpenter and Mr. Ruiz each had 17 points in the game for the Jackets. Carpenter was 6 out of 13 from the floor, 4 for 8 from beyond the arc. Ruiz had a strong all-around game. She was just outstanding. 17 points, 6 for 14 from the field. She had 5 assists, 2 steals, and 0 turnovers in 27 minutes of game time. Eva Reinerson had a tough shooting night. Eva missed uh, 11 of her first 12. I was say, she was 1 for 12 when I first looked at the live stats, yeah. and, and I, I commented on the air how the sharpshooter wasn't sharp. No, she just game. couldn't find it in the game. I mean, she just had kind of, she had some looks that she normally buries, just were not going down. Still, she finished up with a double-double. She was 13 points, 10 rebounds, took her 19 shots to get there, but she also had five assists. So Eva does some other things when right. she's not uh, scoring the ball. We talked about that, how her game has expanded. But uh, double-double for Eva. And then Ellie Leitstrom, the fourth Yellow Jack in double figure. She had 10 points, three for six from the field, and four for five from the stripe. So both basketball teams sitting in first place. Rolling. Yep, rolling right along. Men's and women's indoor track and field. They hosted the Twin Ports Invitational at Lydia Thiering Fieldhouse on Saturday. A lot of stuff happens, so bear with us here while we go through all this. <laughs> C.J. Pellath won the weight throw with a distance of 18.97 meters. And guess what? Number one in the country. Number one in the country. <laughs> Broke his own record. Third time he's done that this year. I know. it's That is such a throw. I said yeah. it last week. I'll say it again. It's, it's you know, probably, I'm not great with the metric system, but it, you're it's over nearing 60 feet. 61 feet. Yeah, it's over 60 feet. You're throwing something that weighs 35 pounds. Yeah. 61 feet. Yeah. Wow. Well, I watched him actually when they were uh, practicing last week, and he was in there with the throwers, and they're 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 tossing medicine balls, or they had to get loose. He him tossing the medicine ball is a piece of cake. <laughs> it's the easiest toss in the world for him. And other people are, you know, I mean, not, <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know, doing that. And he but just, he's just holding it over his head and just like, here we go, like you know. <laughs> so <laughs> CJ just continued to roll right along. Uh, Connor Nelson also had a nice showing. He won the 800 meters with a time of 213.55. Eddie Carlson took third place in the 3,000 meters with a time of 9 minutes, 20.73 seconds. Tyler Finger finished fourth in the mile run with a time of 439.26. That's a personal best for him, by the way, so congratulations to him. Brett Goplin placed third in the high jump with a height of 1.8 meters, while Nate Oman was fourth in the shot put with a distance of 11.27 meters. Rounding out the Yellow Jacket men, Lennon Shimon, he finished third in the... 200 meters with a time of 23.67. Meanwhile, on the women's side, Alexa DiCavedo, the freshman from up the road in Silver Bay, Minnesota, won the 200-meter hurdles with a time of 30.78 seconds and finished fourth in the 60-meter hurdles with a time of 10.11 seconds. Leon Torgerson, meanwhile, placed third in the 200 meters with a time of 27.55 and fifth in the 60 meters with a time of 8.44 via Prince. Meanwhile, closed out the Big time finishes for the Yellow Jackets. She placed third in the 400 meter dash with a time of 107.78. And guess what else happened? Pellath was named uh, track and field field athlete of the week again. Again. Yep. Third straight week and 11th time. 11th in his time in his career. 
Yep. That's incredible. And DiCavato was named UMAC Track Athlete of the Week for the first time in her career, so congratulations to both of them. I don't think there's a single event in a track and field meet that I could do well. <laughs> Not one. Not one? I can't run. <laughs> you can't throw. I can't really jump that well, so hurdles are out and all the jumps are out. You know, I mean, maybe the pole vault I could try, but I have a Oof. hunch that probably wouldn't go very well either. Oh, I mean, yeah. You have to be a brave one to try that, I think. Man, there's just there's nothing in there that I could do. Yeah, maybe I, CJ mar- could teach how to throw. I, uh, I marvel how at, at how athletic they well, are in yeah. those events. It's well, incredible. and how fast they run and yeah. everything else. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Just, yeah, it really is something. So that's what uh, was up with men's and women's indoor track and field. Women's hockey went one and two last week. They defeated Bethel one nothing on Tuesday at Westman Arena before falling to Eau Claire in one of two matchups against the Blue Goals this past week. They fell to the Blue Goals five to one on Thursday at Westman Arena before falling in a really really tight contest on Saturday at Hobbs Ice Arena in Eau Claire. Final score one nothing in favor of the Blue Golds. You had the game against Bethel. Uh, what did you think of that contest? Um. It was it was a tough game because it, there was so much board play, yeah, and there was so much perimeter play in that game that you kind of I noticed that too. You kind of got the feeling that okay, one goal is going to win this thing, yeah, you know. And fortunately, Jenna Bufflin got that goal yeah. in the second period, and the the defense was was good, and Mackenzie right. Whalen was good in goal that day. So you you had a pretty good idea that yeah that one goal was going to win that thing, but it's it, you know, you see board play on the men's game a fair amount. It's different from the women's game, but though. it's yeah. And to see that much board play and perimeter play and corner play in a women's game, I thought it was it was very different from other games I've called this year. Yeah, I mean, it was a game that uh, I was there to see it, so I know exactly what you're talking about. There was a lot of perimeter play, nothing, almost nothing in the slot. I no. don't feel like all game. Mm-mm. Everything was like you said, coming from outside the circles almost. Right. So it was a tough game to kind of measure. Yep. I thought. You know, just my personal opinion on it. Um, like you said, Jenna Bufflin got the game winner at 16:44 of the second period. Kaylee Martinson and Amanda Sargent the assists on the lone goal of the contest. Mackenzie Whalen pitched the shutout in goal. She had 23 stops for the Yellow Jackets. First career shutout for her. Was it? Yeah. Oh, congratulations to her. Uh, then the next, I guess, two nights later against UW Eau Claire, five to one the loss. Although that game was tight after two. Yeah, it was only two to one game at that point. Yeah, you know, and then Eau Claire scored three times in the third period. And they're they're a good team. They've got some firepower. They're and, ranked number four or five. I think, I think they're right four. Now. Are they four? I think they're four in the country right now, and and I, I think that's that's deserved. No, yeah. actually, I think they're five. Are the they men five are right their now? men are four. Okay, and their women are five. Okay, but regardless, it's it's a it's a good ranking. It, it's deserved. They're yeah. they're a good team. Yeah, they're, they're a real good team. I mean, they've been to the NCAA tournament now a couple times, and they've made a little noise in there. So, they've they've got a good club. Yeah, they got a nice team. Yeah, they've, they've been good for a while now. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, no surprise. Unfortunately for the L Jackets, running into uh, the buzzsaw that is Eau Claire. Yep. Uh, Kaylee Martinson scored the L Jackets' lone goal in that five to one loss from Denner Bufflin on the power play eleven forty two. That'll make Dano happy. Get the power play a little <laughs> bit go, a little bit of action, but uh, right. Like I said, that that uh, that Eau Claire team, they have the ability to kind of pull away. Yep. And that's unfortunately what they did in that third period. Catherine Johnson took the loss. She had 16 saves for the L Jackets. And then in that game against Eau Claire in the return matchup of the back-to-back on Saturday, it was a game that uh, was played very, very tightly. Yes, it was a tight one. Yeah, really tight. In fact, it took until 14:04 of the third period to get the game-deciding goal. It came from Eau Claire's Emma Peterson. And that was the only tally of that contest. Mackenzie Whalen took the loss in that. She made 18 stops, so 
Nice week for her, though. She stopped 41 out of 42 Yeah, she, she played well. She played well. <laughs> yeah. For the week. Yeah, she played very well. Um, yeah. Tough, know. though, when you stop that many shots and you only get uh, the one win, but... You know, and and it's it goes with that team. It goes back to the question I asked Coach Laughlin prior to the Bethel game. What happens when Kaylee Martinson doesn't score? Yeah. You know, she's now the number three all-time in goal scored here. She's got, what, 13 on the year? Is that she's got 13 this year. I think yeah. 52 for her career, career if I remember like right. Okay. So everybody knows that she can score, but on a night when she doesn't or a night where the other team the defends that from? and takes that away, where is the offense going to come from? Right. Yeah. And those three games last week is a perfect example of that. Yeah, they you took know, away Kaylee. And, they, yeah. where, where is the offense going to come from if she doesn't do it? And, you know, hopefully they find an answer. Yeah. I mean, Amanda Sargent has, I think, 14, 13, 14 points this year now. Right. Six goals, I want to say, and like eight assists, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, like you said, where's that secondary scoring? You know, when from? she's when she's accounting for, I want to say, like a third of your goals on the year. Yeah. That's an awful big load for one person to have to carry. Yeah, it is. And as good as Kaylee is, you know, that, that like I said, that's a heavy load. So yeah. hopefully they can start finding a way to spread the scoring around a little bit. they got to hurry up, too, because they've got uh, a couple more – Tough Pretty large week. conference games coming up this week. We'll talk about that later. Yep. Uh, as do the men's hockey team. We'll talk more about that, of course, later on. But speaking of men's hockey, 12-2-3 now overall, 5-2 and two in the WIAC. They're ranked number 10 in the list, USCHO.com, Division Three Top 15 poll. Jackets moved up one spot from 11 last week. They had kind of an interesting uh, two games, John. The final scores were exactly the same. You, of course, covered both games. It was a 3-3 overtime draw with Gustavus Adolphus on Saturday, and then on Sunday, a 3-3 overtime draw with St. Thomas. This is your impressions of the two games. Um, they kind of – it was a weird weekend. I thought so, too. I watched the game against Gustavus. It was a weird yeah. weekend. You know, they uh, – I, I think if you were to ask the coaches, ask the players, they they would all say, yeah, we've we've got to be better than we were. Um you know, they came out, I thought, you know, in talking to Coach in the pregame on Sunday, he thought about the Gustavus game. We didn't come out very well. I thought they came out pretty well. Okay. It was a really entertaining opening 10 minutes of hockey in that game because there okay. was only two stoppages. It was back and forth. Changes were flying, people were getting in and yeah, out. Yeah, it, it was a really good opening pace was 10 good. minutes. The pace was good. You know, it was, it was fun. Um, then... Oscar gets hurt. 18 seconds later, Gustavus scored. So you, you, you took a couple, you know, punches to the jaw right there. Right. But they, they showed a little pushback and came back and were better in the second and, and had that lead, but but couldn't hold on. Yeah. You know, and then you move into Sunday and you came out really flat. Oh, against St. Thomas. That seems to be a pattern with them. Man, they came out so flat in that first period and got outshot badly, but went to the locker room tied. Okay. Played a better second period, but went to the locker room tied, and then had that lead late again, and then just some awful puck luck. Yeah, I, I, that forces you. Into I heard a tie the goal game. as oh. I was uh, as I was leaving the uh, gym. You know, I've, I've never, s- I haven't seen any a play like that where it it's on the ice, and then all of a sudden it's over somebody's shoulder. Yeah, you know, after I was it, imagining what your your by language was. On that well, goal. It, it was the same as the coaches and the players and everything because they had just talked about it. We talked about it in the pregame show. 
that this team, when they don't score first, doesn't have a win. They don't have a right. come-from-behind win yet this year. And Coach was stressing that. They're now 0-2-3 when they give up the first goal. And you're sitting there going, okay, this is going to be the first one. Here right. we go. Yeah. And then four seconds later, that happens. And it's like, you got to be kidding. I thought it was going to happen against Gustavus, to be honest with you. When Colton Bates scored that third goal, I thought that's going to be enough. Right. Um, and then the defensive breakdown at the end, unfortunately, yep. that ended up costing them that game. Yeah, the, that, a little bit of a breakdown, um, a bad line change, and you're asking your goalie to make three saves in an exchange. He, it's Yeah, I mean, and that kid was wide open. And mm-hmm. that, that was the part, I think, that was most disappointing as a fan for me to watch Right, was the fact that he was camped out in the middle. And that was their leading score. Yeah. And Caleb Johnson is their leading score. And yep. I, I was just a little bit disheartened by that. But uh, we'll go into the details here, the gory details, I guess, <laughs> in some ways, in other ways not. I mean, right. I know you refer to it as kissing your sister, pucking up and kissing your sister when you get a couple ties. Mm-hmm. Um, Overall, on the weekend, would like was that your impression? It was just sort of like we ended up with two situations where we kissed our sister and just went to, went home. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, pretty much. You know, and I I think I felt like on on Friday, Gustavus deserved better. Okay, because down the stretch in the third period in the overtime, they were a better team than we were. Okay, and then Sunday, I felt was the opposite. I thought Superior deserved better than it got. In that game, it's not like you know, in the game against St. Thomas, we could have won that game. That, but we had so yeah. many chances to win that thing in the overtime. They yeah. dominated that overtime, and their goaltender was very, very good. Okay, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was literally a fifty-fifty weekend. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. And that Gustavus game, the three-three tie, the first of the two three-three ties. Artur Turchiev opened up the scoring for the Jackets at ten fifty of the second period. As you talked about after uh, Oscar Spencer got hurt. Yep. We'll talk more about that in one second here. That was on the power play from Charles Martin and Andrew Durham. I think that tied the game at one at that time, did it not? Yes. Yes, it did. Okay. Yep. Then Connor McLean, who's been uh, finding the scoring sheet a little bit more here as the season has moved on, scoring at 14-16 of the second period. Chad Lopez and Dylan Johnson on the helpers. And then Colton Bates, rounding off the scoring for the Jackets, gave the Jackets a 3-2 lead at the time. Off an assist from Liam Blaze and Troy York. That came at 9-27 of the third. And it was a weird, like you said, weekend momentum-wise because Oscar played the first 12-55, made five stops, and then got hurt. Yep. Came out, Miles Hector came in, gave up his first goal in 18 seconds. He played the last 52-05 and made 16 stops in the contest on Saturday. Then on Sunday, make the trip up the highway to St. Paul to take on St. Thomas, a team that we always seem to really kind of scuffle with, at the beginning especially. In their building. Yeah. I don't know what it is. We we play them, I think, a little differently up here for some reason. Okay. Yeah, but in their building, we have a hard it's, time. It's a, yeah, yeah, we struggle in the first period in that building. Okay, you know, just, we were there a year ago, and we were down three to one right after away. one, and it was that was sort of the the bottoming out of well, the we season. Talked, yeah, yeah, was that that contest last year? Yeah, where the team just wasn't good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so three three against St. Thomas as well. The next night, day Sunday, part of our three day three game, I should say Sunday triple header. Dylan Johnson opened up the scoring for the Jackets nineteen oh four the first period off an assist from McLean Connor McLean, and that made it one one after one despite playing a bad period according to John. You got uh, a shot fifteen to four in that period. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you feel good at one one after yeah, that. You yeah, you do, you do. You're, my, you know, Miles Hector played really well in that period. Okay, kept him in there really well. Bruno Berzaitis from Pavel Makazanov scored the Jackets' second goal at eighteen fifteen of the second, and then Liam Blaze at two fifty two of the third from Troy York. Miles Hector ended up getting the decision with the tie and goal for the Jackets. He made thirty four stops, but uh, yeah, two games, two three three overtime draws. It's, yep. 
you know, that's that's the thing with hockey, and you get it with soccer too. You go on the road, and you can play really well or play really badly, and still end up with a tie. Yep. Um, the the one thing, and I was talking with this about this with some of the people at the track meet. They didn't lose. No, that's the, that's that's you, and that's the you know yeah. it's the good news, bad news of the whole thing. And I had great news. We didn't lose this weekend. Bad news. You didn't win this weekend. Right. Yeah. It's it's, it's very much a well. So this is where we are. Yep. You know. Six and one, half dozen of another. Yep. It's one of those kind of situations. Exactly. So that was the week that was in Yellow Jacket Sports. The week that was. Yep. They, they only get bigger from here. Yeah. It's all going to get It's going to get to be a lot more fun as we move along here. Indeed. And we'll touch on that a little bit more later on. But coming up next here on I Have the Swarm, we will have a visit with Greg Polkowski, the head coach of the first place Yellow Jacket men's basketball team. Always a candid conversation when you have Coach Polkowski in here. And we'll have that for you right after this break. You're listening to I Have the Swarm. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com, Northern Wisconsin's island getaway. We're back on this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, and we're joined by Yellow Jacket head men's basketball coach Greg Polkowski and uh, first place Yellow Jacket men's basketball program. And you know, I, this is going to sound really bad, Greg, but I've countless times over the years standing during the national anthem, looking up at the flag and the banners and everything, and you see the last conference championship being 1941. I, I would imagine there's a lot of excitement among your alumni base, um, among the fan base, the players, and everything right now with where your program is at sitting in first place in the UMAC. Yeah, I, I mean, I also look at that banner, uh, so I know exactly what you're saying. Um, yeah, I think there is some excitement. Um, I think there, um, if I'm being really honest, I, I think there there was maybe some hesitant excitement a little bit to see if is this for real and it's way too early to even even put the stamp on it that it is uh but things have gone well this far and i i know uh with the fan base whether it's local uh the alumni uh that have reached out and followed and there'll be more in town here in a couple weeks for sure um yeah you could definitely feel that that there's some momentum growing on that side of things and uh I, I still think maybe a, a touch early to, to put the stamp on, but going into the end of this first half of conference, um, you know, at the end of the day, we couldn't ask for it to go any better. So, so we'll, we'll take that and, and keep going from there. That's some real cautious optimism. It is, yeah. I mean, sorry, that, that's that is too, the that is the definition of cautious optimism. And, right there. and sorry, that's too much coach coach speak. <laughs> I do I do know it is. Uh, if 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 we wouldn't, uh, well, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Anyway, sitting at seven and zero in the UMAC, like you said, it. I mean, uh, during the, the halfway point of the yep. conference schedule, it's it's not a small sample size anymore. Correct. You yep. know, so obviously some things are going very yep. very well for your team. Yep. What are some of those things that are going very very well? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I you know our most recent game we started off well with in the second half against Morris. You know, you you see twenty zero run. We played a, a great Bethany Lutheran team early in the season, which was, uh, they're all tests, don't get me wrong, but, you know, Bethany's uh, picked to win the league, you know, how does that come out? We, I think we're one in three against them over the last two years, and we, we started up 24 nothing on that run, um, and I think a lot of, there is some offensive influence behind that, don't get me wrong, but um, really opening up here, um, 
we're, we're guarding. You know, we're guarding. You look at the the UMAC standings, um, and you look at the defensive. We're not we're not on top on the offensive side of things, but on the defensive side of things, you look at that, and we're where we need to be. I think we could still be a little better um, in that area. But if I'm being directly honest, it's is starting on the end ending on the defensive end and, and the production we've gotten there and the mindset and identity that that the team has taken on. And and I still feel there's more growth there. Um, So as we go into game number nine here to finish off, uh, or game number eight to finish off the first half, uh, I think will be our biggest test on the road at at a great Northwestern team. But looking at where we're at now, uh, yeah, it's been great. And I, I think we just need to keep building off where that success has come from. I'm glad you brought up the Bethany game because... People will look at that and go, wow, 24 nothing to start. One, nobody saw that coming mm-hmm. anywhere. Two, they, you know, boy, they were hitting shots and everything, but you brought it up. You defended very well in the first 10 minutes of that game and just shut them down completely. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, we've, we've, Bethany is great. I mean, they've been on a storm since, since then. Um, but yeah, I think we just really executed well defensively they have some great players in in Sire Mayfield or Kyrie Mayfield Brian Smith Trenton Krieger and you know the matchups worked for us well that day and I I think things flowed well and um, it's always going to come back to defending you know I asked our guys the other day you know when you know most recently it's fresh on their memory 20-0 run against um, Morris like what does that mean and you know I think a lot of people think well well Mason Mason had a dunk and Allen had a breakaway and you know we Mac hit threes in transition but you know you could tell that the mindset's in the right spot because you know they're talking about the stops we got and um, what led to that so so that's at, that's the root of it. That's the root of it. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to score the ball, and we'll take all that that comes with of it. But it, it starts and ends on the defensive end. That that's where we'll flourish or not flourish. You know, based on that. So, I tend to agree. I mean, uh, you know, having called both games now, uh, two games where you've scored at least twenty straight points to open up a half. That's never happened in my career here. And I don't know if that's if you go way far back, that's ever I happened in the history of the program. Don't remember ever seeing anything like that. Okay, yeah, I mean that, but the parallels between those two halves of basketball—the first half against Bethany and the second half against Morris—were really striking in the sense that you guys were getting stops, getting turnovers, forcing the missed shots, picked up your energy, and then made shots on your end mm-hmm. of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting that Elliot Swear, our engineer, is here because he was actually my board op for the game against Bethany, and he told me when the run ended and we got to halftime that he was actually kind of smiling and laughing almost <laughs> on this end, listening to me describe what was going on because it's, it was just so out of character and listening to my description of it because it was very, you know, it got to be 12 nothing, then it was 14, now it's 16, then it became 18, and it just kept going and going and going. And you could kind of see in that game, everybody was stunned. Everybody in the entire building was stunned. Us too. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they were stunned. You were stunned. I, I, they called two timeouts in the first six minutes, mm-hmm. you know, which never happens. Yeah, yeah. No. Because yeah. you save those for the end, obviously. But they called two timeouts in the first yeah. six minutes. And we were standing at that end of the court, and their coach didn't even know what to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was very – I mean, it was funny to watch the reaction of their women's team, who was playing game two, of course. They were behind the bench, and they were kind of – in there, and all of a sudden, they started cheering, like, come on, let's go. Like, they were almost louder than their bench was. Like, their women's team was the one that tried to get them going. And it, it was a, unlike any game I'd ever seen. I kept looking over to see what your reaction was, John, because you were staying at the end of the court with Nick Bursick, our athletic director, and I thought, I wonder what he thinks of this. I'm going to have to check in with him after this, <laughs> because I went up to his office after that game, and you said, holy cow, I've never seen anything like that. That's all he said. That was the first time, and I was like, yeah, I hadn't either. 
And then to do it twice, though, against uh, uh, Morris the other day, 20 straight to start the second half against a Morris team that had been very competitive. I mean, we had yeah. talked about that. Yeah. They lost some games, you know, pretty tight games, I mean, against some good teams. And you guys just ran away from them, like, you know, they like sprinting past somebody on, on a track. Yeah. And, and I, it was really impressive. Yeah, no, and, and thank you for the words, I think. You know, Morris lead, was leading the UMAC in field goal percentage going into that game. I mean, Bethany is as high power as anybody offensively. I, I think, you know, really to, to get deep into it, I mean, it's – I don't want to say it's been a hidden mentality or a hidden identity and in, in, in image of us, but now it's kind of out there and we're going to own it. And uh, uh, don't get me wrong, offense will still fuel your defense and it helps when you're making shots. But um, I think for us to kind of put it out there, kind of like we are right now, um, that's going to only allow us to grow if, if we own that. And it's not something – I don't think it's some like – Oh, we're playing so and so today. We we have to guard. I mean, it's it's not something we just turn on. It's got to be a an everyday commitment to it. And again, I know that's coach speak too. But I think to where we are today, um, that that's what's gotten us here for sure. So I agree. And to be honest with you, we talked about the like conference wide coming out party, maybe being that Bethany game where the rest of the league said whoa. Mm-hmm. But to be honest with you, the confidence that I saw you guys gain in beating Scalaska and really controlling that game after having lost a bunch of games to them in a row. Mm-hmm. Where you guys basically, you know, took the lead early in that game and were really never challenged in that game. I mean, you led by as many as I think twenty-five in that game, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, against mm-hmm. a Scalaska team that kind of had your number. Yeah, and you could see that Scalaska was realizing on the court just by their body language, by the expressions on their faces, that this is a different superior team. This is a different animal than we've been used to seeing in recent years. And I thought that was a kind of a turning point in the season for you. I mean, not just because it's a bridge battle and because, yeah. you know, it's St. Scholastica. You see them twice a year. You know those guys off the court. But because you could see that their their body language and the look on their face was changing. And I think the rest of the league is starting to get to that point, too. You could see it with Morris. You could see it with Bethany. This is a different superior animal than we're used to seeing in the league. And so I thought that was a big turning point. I don't know if you share that opinion, but I think that was kind of like the first step. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think the the preparation going into that game and knowing what the history has been, uh, as you mentioned, I, I do think we really, really initiated that early on um, in knowing what the history was. And I think you know our backs are up against the wall a little bit um, to a certain degree. And I think uh, you know we we did really well. I will say they did get a little more comfortable in the second half and I thought, you know, we we had a little bit of a letdown in the second half, but we we did start it well. I think, you know, at that time going back to my earlier statement, I think, you know, that was a little bit maybe surprising for us, surprising for them that we were able to kind of put our foot down like that right away. Our challenge will be moving forward is, you know, it's it's not going to catch anybody by surprise uh anymore the way we're going to come out and and really try to, you know, just hold our own defensively. So that that will be the challenge. Um, but that was huge for the program. There's no doubt. Um, and, and they've played well since then. I mean, I think they, I think their only loss since then was was just this past weekend. If I'm correct, they might have had one more in there. But uh, they've been playing well since then. So yeah, we just need to keep building off it. But that that's huge. I mean, both those games, the Bethany Sklaska game, uh, those those were big for the program to really let maybe this last couple of weeks really really happen. So you've got. A- a lot of games there too now where you've got 10 point lead 15 point lead Mm -hmm. 20 point lead even in excess of that how do you keep your guys focused because you know i've seen it in hockey many times both as a broadcaster as a coach as a player 
I'm sure it's the same in other sports. You've got that huge lead. How do you keep them focused on the task? Yeah, I think, it, and I think uh, the question includes myself too, because you know, well, what's what's a lead? You know, when? How do you handle that? How do you handle your guys that maybe got you to that point? You know, do you keep them in? Do you take them out? And I think we've kind of and myself included, have learned how to navigate through that. I think it's a combination of both. You know, with Colton Williams going down recently, that that kind of forced us a little bit to need more production from maybe outside of our top five. Um, so that injury paired with, okay, how do we handle getting a lead and how do guys step in and, and keep things going, both of those things combined, I think has made us a better team. I think over the last few games we've been in some of those situations you mentioned, John, and I think for the most part our guys coming off the bench, you know, Eli Vogel is now coming to the starting lineup, but he's given us a pop. Joseph Ferencholtz I think has scored in the last three games. Uh, Jackson Middlestead has given us some good minutes. Xavier Patterson has, has had really ups all year. And, and other guys I'm sure I'm missing here right now, Joe Kramer. I think they've gotten into a little bit of a groove that when we get that 10, 15-point lead, even if it's five, you know, how do we handle that? Uh, I think we've gotten into a little groove there. Um, that's something you can't get comfortable with. Um, but I think our guys, you know, whether you say 6 through 11, 6 through 12, and I don't want to put a number on it, but you know what I'm saying, they've been able to kind of step up to that level that we need them to, especially going into you know the end of January and February here. Did you know what you were getting in Mason Ackley? Or has he taken a step that you maybe weren't expecting to happen as early? Yeah, I think that's... He's been pretty dynamic as a Yeah, I think that's a a great way to say it. I think think we knew or felt confident that that's what we would be getting. I think if you ask me and Mason himself, I don't know if either of us would say it would happen like it is, as fast as it is. I think he's had some... uh, I don't think he's had any lows like where it's been non-existent I think he's experienced some real highs I think he's experienced the league responding to him now and him having to navigate through that a little bit but I mean like I've said uh I think with you know the first time we were on he I mean he shows up every play uh every practice every game and I think him just feeling out uh you know, other layers to the game, um, you know, whether it's when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, when his guy doesn't have the ball in his hands, where he can continue impact in the game. And, and he's learning that. But he's been – no, he's been phenomenal. He's He's been great. And you, you know how it is, whether whatever sport it is, you need more than one guy. And he's been a great complement to guys like Veed, Allen, Mack, and vice versa. I mean, because he's become at times, you know uh, – the guy that's you know really got the spotlight on him, and I don't mean fanfare and all that, but just how teams are guarding him and, and what it may be that helps V get things looser and, and so on and so on. How good has he been in coming back from that injury and missing another season? How good has V been? <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, um, you know, when it, it, he's been great every single day of the week, uh, but I will say, um, and I'll be honest, recently he's been really really good in practice he was he was never bad but he's really stepped it to another level <laughs> recently but when those lights come on on Wednesday and Saturday I mean he's he's ultra locked in uh you know he wants you can feel it I'm sure you guys can see it I can see it that um you know he's not taking anything for granted and you know I think he if you look back uh, not to go on and on here you know I think before you know he probably played more on the perimeter I think he's been scoring a lot inside you know the last game I think he was one of one or two or two from three uh, so I think you know us maybe finding a way to 
get his versatile play back into action here is a challenge for me too. But no, he's been awesome. He's been awesome. I think he's been guarding as good as he's ever guarded. Um, he's had some big rebounding games. So no, he's he's been great all the way around. He's such a physical presence in the post for you, um, and it's something that's been missing. Be perfectly honest from this program for a while has been a physical big man in the middle. I mean, we talked about it throughout last year. A lot of last year was because of the injuries, where you had to throw some younger guys in that, to be perfectly frank, were not physically ready to go in there for the rigors of college basketball, especially in the post because it gets intense down there and there's banging going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but Veed is, you know, he's not the tallest guy in the world. You know, between six five and six six, I would say, but he's so strong physically, and teams are having a hard time dealing with him on the board. So that's the biggest thing that I've noticed so far in the games this year. Um, if he wants to get a basketball, he almost always gets it. If he misses a shot, he goes in there looking for the rebound, and teams have a hard time keeping him away from it. And he knows that, and that's an intelligent style of basketball to play. Um, you know, To know that uh, you know, I'm bigger and stronger than these kids. I can go in there and get I'm – a, I'm a grown man, as to, to use a you know, sometimes an overused cliche in sports, but – he looks like a, he's built like a man. And some of these kids, like, for instance, Ian Carlin against uh, Minnesota Morris, who's their post player. I like him. He's a really good player. He's going to be a really good player in this mm-hmm. league. But Veed was just bigger and stronger than mm-hmm. he was in the post, and you could see it. You know, and it made a difference yeah. as the game went on. And yeah, I, and I think, you know, you know, he does have a – he takes great care of his body, his physical attributes. And I think, you know, just his um, experience of – you know, body positioning, angles, you know, things like you said about getting the ball. You know, it's hard to keep him away from the ball. I mean, there there is a physical piece to that, and there's a, a learned feel of the game, if you will, uh, over time that, that he's he's great with. I mean, he's phenomenal with. Even when he's just practicing on his own one-on-oh, you know, you could tell he's practicing setup and, and angles. And, um, I mean, that's something you, you – it's it's not it's not really for us to coach. I mean, that's just a gained feel, and, and he's been he's been awesome with that. The other guy that's really made a huge difference just on both ends of the floor because he adds another dimension to your, both your offense and your defense is Allen Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about this before, but he is, and we talked about it the first time we had you on the podcast, he is a lockdown in-your-face defender, but he can also hit shots, yep. and he's a guy that can find the open man. And, again, playing on both ends of the floor – He's a different look at point guard than we've had in the past. Yeah, it's been a, a – um, you know, when we talked the first time, you know, there was obviously a lot of optimism and excitement, and Allen's uh, just a great person, great teammate. I, I think he's a perfect blend of what we need um, because he's not selfish. Uh, he, he gets us into our offense great. He screens great. He cuts great. Uh but he has the ability to score, obviously, and not only the ability to score within our offense, but when things break down, which it's going to bound to happen at some point, he's a guy that can get us that bucket, whether it's getting to the rim, whether it's pull-up game, he has the ability to shoot the three. And defensively, he's been he's been good. Uh, he's been really good. He's really active. Uh, I think we've challenged him in some other ways, not to only guard on the perimeter on the ball, but off the ball, even in the post at times, how we guard things, and he's definitely answered the call in that uh, in all ways. And, and, you know, you don't see him comfortable and settling, and I think that's, for me, with everybody on this team, um, and specifically Allen as we're talking to him, is if we can just keep getting better over these next nine, um, you know, where it can be then, you know. Take me through the process of getting him here, because we've – traditionally haven't gotten Division two transfers mm-hmm. that come into this program. So I, I understand what it's like in, in the hockey world because that's where I live, but mm-hmm. take me through the process about how he ended up be, being a part of this program. 
Yeah, unique <clears throat> process. You know, we had seen Allen play in high school a little bit. Um, you know, I'm trying to think even – I don't even think I was here at that point, but aware of who Allen was and, and the, the very good Osseo High School team he was on that year. Um, he went to junior college um, at Northeast Community College in Nebraska, then went on to Bemidji. And to be very upfront, um, you know, when we talk about alumni, uh, there was an alumni connection there. Um, former basketball player and assistant coach Greg Burke, uh, who's been you know just awesome still as part of the program. And I think there was some c- communication that way. You know, Alan uh, reached out to us um, and, and things really just went forward. And I, I think as you know, you go back to last spring and summer, knowing what this team needed to kind of fill those extra pieces after you go back to two years ago, losing Shaq Coleman, you go back to last year, losing Montroy Scott. Um, you know, the point guard, we've been blessed with point guard play. And and, uh, you know, we have young point guard play and Xavier Patterson and Ronnie Galvin's continuing to develop and Thomas Robarge is kind of turning into that pseudo combo point guard. Uh, but, you know, we needed one more guy to fill that role uh, in what it's been the last two years. Um, so the timing was perfect. And I think I think great for him, too, because it, uh, you know, is a, it is an opportunity to step in and be impactful. And, and he's definitely done that. But um, you know how it is in, you know, when you get guys from a higher level, there's usually – other things that help, whether it was past recruitment, which it necessarily wasn't in this case, but alumni, um, people that, you know, they're always helping. So that, that that was, yeah, it was a blessing for sure. It's interesting because I actually asked him that question because he was my halftime interview for the okay. Morris game. And, uh, you know, what brought you to UWS? And he said, Coach P. He, he was very upfront about it. He said, you know, I was interested. I had been looking around a little bit. I wanted a situation where I could play my senior year and have a good experience. He's like, but he credits you a lo- with a lot of him coming here. Don't get me wrong. So, we recruited yeah. him extremely hard. I won't take all the credit, <laughs> but once we saw the opportunity, yeah, it was uh, it was, it was, was on as hard as we could af- after that with, with the opportunity that was, was in front of us. So. Well, I was excited when I knew he was coming. When you yeah. told me that, I said, well, the team looks pretty good, except for the point guard slot, what do you got? Oh, we've got this guy coming in from Bemidji, Division Two transfer. Played a few minutes up there, and I thought, okay, that's a good deal. You know, I'll take that. You know, yeah. like, and I went and looked up Allen's stats, and I thought, yeah, I mean, this is a guy who played. You know, he wasn't a bit player for them. He played quite a few minutes when he was in there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I knew he was going to make an impact. I didn't know what it was going to be necessarily in terms of overall game, but with his background, having played at Osseo, which is a huge school, big time program, having played at Bemidji State, he has some serious credentials. Yeah, as a basketball player in his in his development, and it's good for the program to see that I think because we do kind of rely on smaller towns and some younger guys to come in here. But Allen's a big time talent, and having him come in and kind of solidify everything, you know, just because of his experience, his amount of playing time, uh, the amount of minutes that he's logged in college basketball up until now is was has I think made a huge difference in this team too. Well, and his experience and something you don't see as much on you know the game day or film is. I mean, he's, he played at Osseo, he played at Northeast, he played at Bemidji. He has a great deal of experience, not even basketball-wise, but coaches, practice environment, um, different teammates. So he knows how to conduct himself and how to lift others up and how to hold others accountable. And you would think of the guy that's only been here a few months, you know, how much is he going to communicate those things but he has no problem stepping up to the plate and, and telling not only myself but others you know what's needed so that that's been as valuable as anything oh and he smiles a lot yeah and I, I hate to say something as as you know kind of what seems like kind of 
I don't know, periphery as that or as shallow as that. But the guy's always smiling. I mean, throughout yeah. the interview with him, he was smiling at me the entire time I interviewed him. And you could tell he's just really enjoying this experience. And it's lifting everybody else up, too. Yeah. You know, no, especially with, you know, Veed coming back. Colton, you know, came back, has accepted his role really well. You know, he was a double-figure scorer. Now he's more of a rebounder kind of defender guy because he knows everybody else can get the ball and, and put it in the hoop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, allowing Mac to be able to be Mac. Yep. Not have to handle the ball yep. as much, be able to just kind of spot up and shoot the ball, which he does really well. Um, it's been a fun group to watch all the way around. And, you know, even with the younger guys, with the Eli Vogels, like yep. you talked about, Joseph Fahrenholtz is starting to play a lot better. Um, you know, you're seeing the the younger guys. Xavier Patterson now is getting more minutes, but the guys are playing really intelligent basketball. I think that's the thing that's the most impressive to me, and I think it all stems from Veed and and Allen and Colton. The three of them kind of, you know, kind of being the the uh, straw that stirs the drink, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And you can just tell the rest of the guys are feeding off of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's you can point to practice, you can point to film preparation, all that stuff has a part, but you know. And credit is due. Not, I don't even know if it's credit, but it, it's. Uh, you could, you know, that there's seniors on here. You know, there's a hungry group. You know, there's a that there's a group that it means something to them. Uh, you know, Joe Kramer, you throw in there too, and uh, um, that 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 does a lot. I mean, that that's it's when you have that kind of piece that's kind of pushing you um, outside of practice, outside of film, outside of workouts. I mean, that that does a lot to kind of fill all those extra gaps uh, when you want to keep a team to to keep an edge. And and we're we're blessed to have that too. Coach McKenna's been telling his team here recently now that they're ranked nationally. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're not hiding anymore. We're not under the radar anymore. We are going to get everybody's best every night. Mm-hmm. And I think with your team, you've kind of made that statement too. You know, going seven and zero three for seven in the UMAC, that you're going to start getting everybody's best. What do you what do you do coaching wise? Do you, hey, we just keep doing what we're doing, or do you have to kind of adjust your mindset a little bit now because you know that every time out, everybody's throwing everything at you. Yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely that truth. I think we even saw that in our non-conference play um, that, you know, teams were, were really um, ready for us. Um, I think that uh, we talk about that a little bit, but I, I still think the – and we're going to really find out about that when, when we go up into our next game at Northwestern. I think we'll really get a big dose of that. I, I think the focus has just stayed on practice and not – not necessarily handling where we're at, but um, just continuing to get better. And I think if we can push to get better, that's going to erase that mindset or not erase it, but just kind of push us in a direction of just handling it correctly just based on our work. Uh, I think humility is something that um, we try to our best to get a grasp on. I think that's something we're still learning about. Not that we haven't handled anything bad, but just, you know, this is a little new territory for us and uh, just how how you handle those things. So I think a combination of, you know, the practice piece, the, the understanding of where we're at, uh, pushing humility. Um, um, but the biggest thing is practice. And, and I mean, that'll, that'll humble you real quick. I mean, um, just, you know, knowing if we have it or we don't in practice. And, and at the end of the day, you can go back to any game you want, win or lose, and watch the film. And you know the film doesn't lie. And there's always going to be things to work on. And I think they've the guys have really uh, bought into that, not questioned any of that, because um, they want to keep getting better. And that's a credit to them. Um, I guess the next question I have for you, and this is kind of one of those general questions, and it's it's 
sounds like kind of like interview speak more than anything else. Well, he's given us coach speak. So well, yeah, 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 go right yeah, in yeah, interview yeah. speak. Yeah. Um, you know, I've gotten to know you for you know well over the last few years. We we talked quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, what are your expectations slash hopes slash goals for the rest of this season? I mean, I know you like to keep it pretty close to the vest. You know, I've I've talked about that even on this podcast. I'm like, you know, because me and John have talked about it. The team is rolling right along. I said. You know, and Coach P, he's trying to keep it pretty d- low key right now, and that's your personality, I know. Um, but are there any specific goals for this group the rest of the way that you, as, as simple as just getting better and keeping to improve, or is there a home playoff game? Like, what do you guys want to achieve at the rest for the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'll try my best to give you a good answer. Um, I will say this: that we have met recently as a team to have that discussion and okay. what goals may look like. We met at the beginning of the year and and had that conversation. And as you kind of reevaluate where we're at right now, does that impact where some of those goals are? Um, you know, I'd be lying to you to say that we don't want to win every game, that we don't want to compete for a conference championship. Obviously, that's a goal, but back to coach speak and reality. Much of the conversation was brought back to how is that going to get done? What is that going to look like? And that goes back to the practice and the preparation. Um, And we need to have an understanding of that. I I will just say this. Obviously, we're going to go try to win every game. And uh, we have nine games left. Uh, You have two teams left in this conference uh, that have one loss. We have to play one of them twice. The other one still one more time. A lot can happen. The other thing is, um, you know, we're, we're playing for a conference championship. There's no doubt, uh, as is everybody else. We both know only one team's getting in that NCAA tournament out of this league. Right. That's, that's, gonna, that's a fact, um, yep. unless something crazy happens. And uh, for us to even have a chance at being in position at the end of the day for something like that, we have to keep getting better. And to – put us in a position because we're not guaranteed game 26. So if we can get to game 26 and then um, see where things happen then, maybe have an, another reevaluation of goals with our team, um, That that's just where the mindset's at. Right. And I, that is another good dose of coach speak for you. But uh, we don't get to any of those games if, if we don't stay locked in here. And if you didn't have this podcast uh, – in the with a Northwestern game in the very near 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 future, I, I might be a little looser here right now, but I, <laughs> uh, they've they've got me pretty tight right now. So um, that's Understandable. just where we're at. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. Very Northwestern's reputation. Yeah. I mean, they're a fantastic program. They've been basically the you know they have been the standard yeah. in this league for a long long time. I mean, going all the way back to my days as a sports writer in Ashland when I was covering Northland College at the time. Um, they were right there every single year, and Tim Groves is a great coach. I have yeah. utmost respect for Tim. Um, you know, he's done nothing but win since he's been at Northwestern. He's gone to the NCAA tournament and won games. Um, the guy knows what he's doing, and his team is always well prepared. So yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I I have no doubt about that. Yeah. But uh, you know, going back to your answer though, I would say that yeah. I mean, most coaches though will say you know we're not too worried about that. What we're worried about is the process, and if we take care of business on our end, it'll work out. And, you know, that also sounds like a cliche in coach speak, but it really is the truth. You know, if you really get down to it, if we, t- you know, keep control or try to control what we can control, we'll just let the chips fall where, we, where they may, and uh, we'll be fine. And that's anything. I mean, obviously, you know, this is great uh, opportunity for our program to be on here. It's great entertainment uh, for, you know, this episode, all the others. Um, 
And it's awesome. It's it's awesome. I think, as you know, in the hockey world, uh, any other sports world, I, I mean, if we don't take care of business, we don't. We're not having this conversation. Right. So that's that's where the root of it goes back right, to yeah. again. So yeah, take, um, focus on ourselves and get the job done. That yeah. you know, do it, take care of business on our end, and then we'll let the chips fall where they may, and then we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. You know, that's basically what it comes down to. I, I know you do have a big game coming up tomorrow which will be done by the time this airs and I know you're a few minutes away from practice so we're going to let you get out of here Greg Polkowski head men's basketball coach first place in the UMAC thanks for stopping by thanks John and Matt as always thank you we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com. We're back on Eye of the Swarm, and time now to take a look at what's going to happen this week. And there's a uh, a couple really big matchups coming up this week for uh, these winter sports teams, aren't there? There are. Everybody, <laughs> all four teams have big, big events this week. Yes. Uh, the indoor track and field teams are also in action, although that's not really a big matchup situation, <laughs> to say the least. But, uh, yeah, everybody's got uh, big games this week. Uh, the four winter sports teams that uh, – are tangibly in first or second place in their respective leagues. All have big matchups, and we'll jump right into it. Men's basketball this week. On Wednesday, they are at Northwestern. It's a 5.30 p.m. tip-off against the Eagles. We hope that people will have listened to that. <laughs> listened We hope you that. enjoyed the broadcast. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, that's about all I can say about that one. That'll be a tough ball game. Um, Jackets at 7-0 and in the league. Uh, the Eagles are at 6-1. and and Coach Tim Groh is one of the best coaches in the conference, maybe the best coach. In my opinion, he's the best coach um, in the in the conference. He has had them at the top of the league now for going on 20-plus years. Yep. And they are always a tough out. They've won NCAA tournament games, and uh, their teams are always really well-schooled. They're really well you know, put together, very fundamentally sound. They always shoot the ball well. They always handle the ball well, and they don't beat themselves. So that's going to be a fun matchup on Wednesday. Like I said, we hope you will have listened to yours truly <laughs> And that one, but if not, you're in luck because the Jackets will be back home on Saturday, take on Crown in a 3 p.m. contest at the Merch 2:45. The pregame with yours truly, the Jackets taking on the Storm for the second time this year and hoping to sweep the season series from Crown. That'll be a 3 p.m. again. That'll be game one of a two-game doubleheader. We'll have a triple header of another sports. triple. Yep, another triple. This time on Saturday instead of Sunday. We hope. Which is, uh, yeah, what we're hoping for. I don't know. Is, is the weather supposed to be bad? I don't even know. We're supposed to get a little bit of snow in there, but I don't think it's anything that's going to cause. Anything to be canceled or moved or anything? anything like that, no. Okay, well, that's good anyway. So uh, that's what's up on tap for the men. Same situation for the women. Just They play the same exact teams just about an hour or two hours later. Uh, the women playing Northwestern on 
uh, Wednesday as well. That'll be a 7.15 opening tip. Um, again, we hope you'll listen to yours truly. I'll have the doubleheader. If you're curious, of course, all these games are listed on our uh, broadcast page, I think, on uh, the website, right, the athletic website? UWSYellowJackets.com. Okay. Go under Fan Zone and select the broadcast schedule. Yep, and it'll tell you exactly who's broadcasting what game at what time. On Saturday, they'll be back home with the Yellow Jacket women. That's going to be a tough game against Northwestern, by the way. Shouldn't overlook that one. Jackets are 6-1 and one, tied for first place, as we talked about in the open with Bethany Lutheran. One game behind are the Northwestern Eagles at 5-2, and two, so that'll be a good matchup a as well. A lot on the line in those two games yep, on Wednesday. It'll be, it'll be interesting contests. Uh, then they'll be back home on Saturday to take down Crown for the second time. Yellow Jackets again looking to sweep the season series. 4.45 p.m. the opening tip there. I'll be on with the pregame starting at 4.30, and then I'll lead right into men's hockey with Mr. Garber sitting across from me. And the Jackets, uh, we'll talk more about them in a second. They've got a big uh, couple games this week, John. Yeah, huge Huge. Two road games, too, which is – I didn't know that they did the back-to-back series anymore. Yeah, you still have a couple. Okay. You know, uh, because we had – Okay, because maybe I just haven't been noticing, but has that been a thing that's been going on for the last few years? Or is this because Northland came in now? It's because Northland came in now. Okay. Okay, so it's added – You have to juggle your schedule, plus you're playing everybody three times. Okay. So it, it creates a couple weekends in there because we had Northland on a back-to-back for a weekend series. Okay. We've got Eau Claire for a back-to-back as well. Yep, yep. Uh, men's and women's indoor track and field, as we mentioned, also in action there at the uh, BSU Open, hosted by Bemidji State at the Physical Education Complex in Bemidji. On Saturday, 11 a.m., action will get underway in Bemidji. Women's hockey has two huge games this week as well. Yeah. Yeah, big time. They do. <laughs> they do. They're having a home-and-home. Although it's not on back-to-back nights, and there'll be a day in between. Right. But, uh, yeah, a couple of big games against the number seven ranked team in the country, Mm -hmm. UW-River Falls. Opens up this Thursday at River Falls down at Hunt Arena, 7 p.m., the opening face-off there. Then they'll take Friday off, you know, collect themselves after whatever happens in that game, and then do it again on Saturday, this time at Westman Arena against River Falls, 2 p.m., the opening face-off there. So a couple of huge games. Those are huge games. Yeah, Dano's team. Those are huge games, especially when – he got swept by Eau Claire last yeah. week. These are really necessary points if they want to stay in the, the top two and, and get themselves a home playoff weekend. Yep, exactly. So big games there. And not to uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but the exact same scenario really for the men's hockey team, except both their games are on the road this week, and they are on back-to-back nights. At number four, UW-Eau Claire, both Friday and Saturday. Both games, 7 p.m., the opening faceoff from Hobbs Ice Arena down in Eau Claire, and Mr. Garber will be along with the pregame starting at 6.40 both nights. Um, those should be a pair of pretty fun games. I mean, you've, got, you've you. got two teams ranked in the top ten nationally that are, are going to be playing there. Um, there was that long streak where the Yellow Jackets didn't beat Eau Claire, and they took care of that last year and then went down there in the YAC semifinals and actually won the Friday game and right. were poised yep. to win Saturday until that late power play came up. But they uh, they know they can win in that building. You know, they've then they met back in early November, which seems like a whole another season ago. You know, was, which was a bizarre game. It was an overtime game. You know, they lost three to two in overtime, but the penalty count was just ridiculous. Yeah, there was twenty six penalties called in that game. Ugh, you know, my so gosh. It, yeah, it was. You had a hard time getting a read on how those two teams would stack up against each other because it was they were always playing during there special teams. There was no flow no. at all. It was all special teams. Yeah. But I, I shouldn't say that because... It felt like there was no flow It felt It felt like it, but for the, the first 10 minutes of every period, 
there was the first period, the first 10 minutes, there was one penalty called. Right. Yeah. The first 10 minutes of the second period, there was one penalty called. The first 10 minutes of the third period, there was two penalties called. So there's re- four. Right. And there was 26 called in the game. Yeah. And then the referees got really whistle happy. Yeah, yeah. But in the first half of those periods, it was tremendous hockey. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see, see where this goes. I think, you know, they. They're big, they're fast, and they're skilled. The, the players. Yeah. You know, the strength of their team lies in their defense core. And how the Yellow Jackets are going to attack that, that's what I think is going to be the difference. You know, the, um, the Yellow Jackets can, they're in the driver's seat. You right. know, they're in first place right now. They've got a three-point edge on Eau Claire, you know, um, so that that's a, a nice position to be in. You always like when you control your own destiny, and they kind of do. Eau Claire, they they've got a big one Wednesday. They play Stevens Point on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's a big one. So they they're going to have three games in four days. Oh wow! How do you take advantage of that? Right. Yeah. You know? So there's there's a lot going into this, but. I I can't wait. This is this is going to be some fun. Yeah, this uh, this week in the WAG thing going to be very intense in men's hockey. Yeah, you can already tell. So yep. that's what's coming up. Uh, it should be a fun week, and it's uh, going to be a fun week. I look forward to being back here next Tuesday and reviewing this. Yeah, we'll see what uh, what transpires between now and Tuesday. It should be a fun uh, fun week, and we'll have plenty to talk about. I. I can't imagine that we won't. No, we'll have plenty to talk about, that's for sure. He's our engineer here in the studio, Elliot Swear. He's the Big Sound Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you for listening to this week's edition of Eye of the Swarm, brought to you by Barker's Island Inn.